And did you know that this podcast is an independent production? That's right. The Eric Norcross podcast is an indie podcast. And because of that, we depend on listeners like you to help support the show. The best way to become a supporter is to become a patron. Patreon is a membership platform that allows creators to develop a more sustainable source of financial support for their projects. My Patreon supports this podcast. If you find this podcast worthwhile, please consider becoming a patron by heading over to the Patreon link in the description. That's patreon.com slash Eric Norcross. Again, patreon.com slash Eric Norcross, and the link will be in the description. Thank you, and on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Uh, Getting right to it, I received some emails through the contact form of my website over the past few weeks that started with the distribution of the teaser to my current work in progress, Fractals. Uh, Fractals is a feature film that I shot in July, and there's some mystification around, uh, (laughs) around how I was able to shoot in July, considering that it's 2020 and... I'm in New York City, and things are locked down. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit. I've already written about it, and I'll put a link in the description uh, to the article that breaks down exactly how I went about production. But um, I've also received a lot of feedback from my collaborators on Fractals uh, in in the form of questions like, how are you so productive? Where do you get the resources to do what you're doing? Where do you get the energy? And, and, and I'm going to talk about that. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm incredibly productive. Um, I live my life to create. Um, and I'm going to talk about sort of my philosophy as it concerns the art life or the cine life or whatever, uh, the writing life, <laughs> whatever it is I'm doing in the moment. But... Let's start with Fractals. Fractals was a film that I began writing a couple years ago when I was still in a master's program. I, I, I took a master's program pretty late in life. Um, I was in my mid-30s, um, now 39. And uh, I knew eventually I'd graduate um, and want to start making movies again. And so... I started writing this project called Fractals, which was designed to sort of be a commentary about the story people think they have to have in in life. And, you know, from a domestic standpoint, there's that story where you you graduate high school, you go to college, you meet the love of your life, uh, you start your career, you get married, you have kids. Uh, you become a grandparent. That's one version of the story. Then there's the story filmmakers have. Oh, I got go to go make this film, go to, a, go to one of the top film festivals, win a top award, uh, and then have a life of creativity, uh, of funded creativity. Um, and there's versions of that for painting. There's versions of that for writing. Uh, there's versions of that for acting. Oh, I got to get an agent, and I've got to get on these TV shows, and then I got to transition over to film. And uh, Fractals is sort of about how that's all bullshit. Uh, Fractals is a film about uh, a, a filmmaker in New York who uh, decides to stay in New York uh, without that story. Why would anybody stay in New York without that any of those stories? And so um, 
it's a very personal film, uh, and a lot of my films are becoming more and more personal uh, e each time I, I do these. And so um, it was really important to me that that be the first film I make after uh, having gone through an MFA writing program. And so what happened was in uh, late 2019, I started meeting with potential collaborators, uh, actors and whatnot, specifically actors who had experience in production because I'm basically a one-man show with a lot, a lot of the projects that I do. And it's nice to have people on board who uh, can do more than one thing. <laughs> and um, in the winter, late winter, early spring, we started filming. And I filmed about three or four days, and then coronavirus hit and New York shut down basically overnight and uh, the idea was it would only last a few months maybe you know not I've never been in a pandemic so I wasn't sure what to expect but the idea was uh, you know in June we'd start looking at kind of getting back to it and actually making the film for real this time no more false starts but that didn't pan out that way for a lot of reasons. One, my main source of income became lost. And um, I was unable to sort of put resources into it that I had initially planned on putting into it. Um, and I lost, I, did, I, I lost some people because of that. And. Um, the other reason is because some people left New York City. They were among the great exodus uh, of 2020. And they made it very clear that they weren't interested in coming back. And I'm like, okay, that's really weird. But um, it's still, a, it's a great city. And, you know, <laughs> but whatever. Um, can't, you can't negotiate around fear. You either live in fear or you don't and those that do are going to live in fear uh, and so I put a casting call out for an actor um, uh, prior to me realizing that I've lost pretty much all of my original collaborators and eventually uh, what happened was I reached out to him and said I don't know if I can get this thing going I was hoping to shoot in July and he reached out to me and he said you put a lot of work into it I can tell you put a lot of work into it um, I'll tell you what, I will commit to this project no matter what if you're willing to do it in July, the whole thing in July. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely capable of shooting a feature in a month, so uh, yeah, all right. And what, what we ended up doing was um, we ended up casting. We got tested. We were cleared for test. We were cleared. Uh, no, no virus or anything like that uh, and uh, we ended up casting his girlfriend as the other character that he has to be close to in, in the film that way uh, there weren't any issues and then for some of the other people I ended up uh, retooling sort of the scene so that they were a lot more socially distanced than they would have been you know in terms of blocking and I also shot a lot of scenes where like if it was a multitude of people I shot individual coverage separately, and then in editing, I'm sort of 
making it seem like it's all one place. Editing is my strongest uh, uh, bit of craft, so uh, I'm very comfortable being able to do that. And that's the general gist of how I was able to pull off a production in July. Uh, it's basically very limited, constant testing every couple of weeks. Um, and uh, I supplied masks, sanitizer, and for anybody who insisted, gloves. Nobody insisted gloves, but I had them available. And um, basically, the, you know, the, the thing is, is like, I'm not wealthy, and I don't have enormous amounts of resources to just drop on these projects. So when I see in the news that these millionaire, billionaire-owned companies are, uh, are resisting giving PPE to their employees, it baffles me because I've been out of work since March, um, and I can do it. You know, and I mean, they're not technically employees, so I'm also not paying them. But um, I feel like if I can do it, not having had any income since March, certainly millionaire billionaires can and should. It's the right thing to do. And so not only was it the right thing to do, but I think that that's a great mor- it was a mor- moral statement on my part to say, hey, we're getting tested. I'm providing masks. I'm providing sanitizer. And we're just doing this. And we did it. And it was amazing. It was one of the best times I had making a film, even though it was miserable at times. Being out in the heat uh, in New York City with a mask. I always wore a mask when I was in public. And if we were in confined spaces where I couldn't socially distance, that, could, that got... That got tough sometimes, but we did it because it was the right thing to do. We shot in all five boroughs of New York City. We shot in Staten Island, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. We mostly shot in Brooklyn and Staten Island. Uh, it is, oh, and we also shot in New Jersey, <laughs> which the the western side of the Hudson River across from Manhattan, I kind of consider that New York City, um, even though it's not technically... And, uh, yeah, it turned out really good. It's a, it's a wonderful love letter to New York, but it's also a wonderful commentary about kind of how to approach the art life when the industrial sector isn't letting you in. It's about how to find a, a sort of back way to be able to sort of function as a filmmaker or an artist in a world that's really locked down by key holders. And... Um, I'll, I'm going to actually talk more about that probably in future installments, um, but future episodes of this series. Uh, but that, the what I really have to say about that is in this film. And uh, I really look forward to sort of finishing it over the next few months and getting it out, getting it out there somehow. Um, so when I was making this film... A lot of my collaborators 
noted how productive I am. How are you so productive? They'd say because they would come in, they would meet me, and they wouldn't. They 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 would be expecting the same sort of t- independent filmmaker type, somebody who's just you know looking to make that one movie to put into the festivals and try to get the resources for other films. And that's all. That's a wonderful story, but that's the story that I kind of I haven't. Received for myself. Um, I haven't been able to live that story. Um, but when they come and meet me, what they meet is a filmmaker who's done many, many projects, and now he's on to his next one. And and it's very clear that once this is over, no matter how it goes, no matter how well it's received, I'm going to be on to the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And not only am I doing films, but they see that. I'm working on graphic novels. I'm working on two graphic novels right now. Um, And I'm also writing a lot. I write a lot of verse. I write a lot of short fiction. I'm working on a novella, uh, a really raunchy novella. (laughs) And um, the fact of the matter is, though, I live my life to do this. This is my lifestyle. And if you can embrace... uh, this as a lifestyle rather than a career uh, you'll find that you have a lot more resources than you think you do and you have a lot more energy than you think you do and a lot more time than you think you do Uh, the thing is is you have to choose it Um, I haven't been on vacation technically since 2005 or 2006 I'm not kidding about that when I go on holidays so like Thanksgiving or um, to visit family on Christmases, uh, I'm, I'm bringing notebooks or I'm bringing uh, work-in-progress manuscripts to edit. Everything is, uh, there's always time to do work for me because this is what I do. This is what I love doing. I love investing myself into it. Um, I don't acquire arbitrary things that don't, go into it um my film collection are films that stimulate my creativity uh they make me want to make movies the books i have on my bookshelf are the books that make me want to write um everything goes into it and if it doesn't go into it it doesn't belong here and um that's basically it i think the only thing only aspect of this that isn't part of it are the cats. I have a lot of cats because I engage in animal rescue. And uh, I even make an effort to get them productive. I put them in my movies. (laughs) And so, um, yeah. That's how I'm so productive. It's all I do. Uh, And for the record, The quarantine, as stressful as as it has been financially, and the lack of really knowing what's going to happen is really stressful. I've been the most productive. Um, You know, I don't need a job to give me purpose, to get me productive, to get me working. All I needed was uh, to know that my bills are met, which they have been so far, and uh, to have the time to do it. And, and proof of that is 
the first month and the first month of um, the quarantine. Actually, the first two weeks of quarantine, I wrote from beginning to end a 118-page screenplay that I've been dying to write, aching to write, um, about growing up on an island off the coast of Maine. It's it's uh, an important movie for me. It's a personal movie, and I'm it's 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 a really creative approach uh, to writing about one's life. And I wrote it in two weeks, and um, now I really want to make that movie. I want to, I, I legit want that to be my next film project after quarantine lifts, after we find a vaccine for this stupid ass virus, um, and then right after that, I got to work on a. 400 page screenplay which will probably end up being either a really long film or a really short miniseries <laughs> and uh, this 400 page screenplay is also about my hometown but this is about generations living in uh, a small town and it goes from 1937 to like the future beyond now and um, that I wrote in about a month and a half and then right after that, I, I, started, I started outlining and mocking up page per page, panel for panel, a graphic novel that ended up being 37 chapters and 1,200 plus pages. I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. And then in June, when I was trying to get the film back on track, I, I needed I needed to get something done other than just negotiating with people. And so I started uh, paneling for real, sort of a, a preliminary penciling, very light penciling, uh, the panels for, these, for this graphic novel, this and another graphic novel, which I had already drafted up prior to the pandemic. And so I don't, I don't know if you can see it in this shot or not, but I have just pages and like binders and binders of 11 by 17 vellum, uh, Bristol vellum that I, I panel graphic novels on. And uh, so my, most of it's blank, though, because I ended up making fractals, which took up all of my summer. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... So, so since the pandemic started, 118-page screenplay, a 400-page screenplay, an outline for a 1,200-plus page graphic novel... And then I started penciling two graphic novels simultaneously, <laughs> going back and forth. And then I shot uh, an entire feature film in, New in uh, pandemic era New York City. Uh, that's how I'm productive, though. I can't stop. And I don't want to stop. I actually, I, I take offense to the term workaholic because I don't think it's a problem. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I think this is where people need to get to, is they need to get to this place where they're so passionate about something that, that that's all they want to do. And uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the other question is, too, is, like, where are the resources coming from for all this? Well, the vellum I bought before the pandemic, mostly. Uh, and for the film, I didn't pay anybody. So I really was just paying for their transportation and their PPE. 
and uh, that was it. It was a collaborative art project between people, and you know, it's it'd be nice to have a fully funded project. Certainly, if you get f uh, a funding for your projects, you'll be everybody's best friend until that funding runs out. Uh, and I've made the mistake in the past of starting projects on this idea of being funded, and it ha happens again and again and again. If you run out, and if you're out of pocket, you'll run out. Uh, they suddenly aren't available. So I, I, I made sure to start this project on this idea that it's collaborative for the sake of it, that we're trying to get something in the can in case we have to completely lock down again, that we're trying to get ahead of things so that when all of this coronavirus stuff is resolved, we'll have a project to submit to the film festival circuit. Uh, and, and everybody was on board with that. And so it really didn't take a lot of resources. It just took a lot of energy and commitment. And um, for the record, I am working as I make this video. <laughs> uh, I'm currently uh, stabilizing and uh, rendering shots, shots for fractals. Um, and uh, it takes so long because I'm on an older laptop uh, that uh, I just kind of have to sit here and double task as I do it. So um, I had one more thing that I wanted to talk about in this episode because it goes into sort of introducing who I am uh, as a creator, how I live my life as a creator. Um, and it's, it's also... Uh, an extension of a conversation that I was having on LinkedIn uh, with somebody on LinkedIn because my LinkedIn resume is very eclectic uh, from a video director or filmmaker standpoint. And um, this, this individual who I had connected with was looking at my IMDB resume. My IMDB resume is um, a very strange one. I don't know who to compare it to, to be honest. There's a lot of, uh, there's a few notable projects. Like I've directed some TV, I've directed some pilots, I've done some independent films that have won awards at film festivals, but I've also done a lot of experimental and short movies that haven't not only gone anywhere, but even on YouTube, there's maybe only a handful of views. Um, and why are the, why, why are they on there? Why am I willing to let people know that I've made these? Because some of them don't seem like they should be on there to, to, some, to this person I was talking to. And uh, I, I don't agree with that, with that idea. Uh, and the reason I don't agree with it is because I think it's important that we have a lot more transparency in um, what it takes to get to a place creatively. The general consensus in creativity, whether it's creative writing, uh, filmmaking, or art, is that you are good, you are talented, and everything was just already like that, which is complete and utter bullshit. Everybody learns how to do it, uh, some sooner than others, but everything is learned. And I'm a lifelong learner. I've uh, embraced a life as a learner. Everything I do is about learning something new. Uh, and my MDB resume conveys that. Uh, my LinkedIn resume conveys that. Everything is drastically different than the previous thing, you know. So, um, 
But there's something else about my resume that I think is important to understand too, is that it's the resume of somebody who didn't have a mentor. And, and mentorship is really important. And a lot of the people who kind of have one or two projects before they sort of get that big project usually had a mentor of some sort. I never had a mentor. Um, I've had teachers off and on who kind of gave me ideas on how to best practices and all that, but I never really had a mentor who could sort of take the place of um, sort of my trial and error approach to things. And so everything is trial and error, you know. Um, uh, and it started in high school when I started making films. And then it started with, it continued on through the years. And so you'll find that before my film Death and Life, I did a lot of experimental films. And then I did an experimental feature called Death and Life. And then I did a couple more different experimental films. And then uh, I started doing other things. And uh, just is what it is. Uh, I, I think that mentorship is really hard to find for people who don't come from industry families um, and this is something I'm going to talk about in another episode but there's a reason why a lot of the most successful people in this industry come from a major city they come from industry cities or near industry cities so um, if you look on at, at the resumes of a lot of famous actors and actresses and directors and producers. They either come from New York City or the surrounding New York City area, or they come from California. Um, and it's just, it's not, it's not a fluke. There's a reason, and the reason is because there's more resources in these places for these people to get it right much more quickly. And, um, you know, I cold moved to New York shortly after 9-11 from an island off the coast of Maine. And <laughs> uh, immediately it was like so clear that I was a fish out of water, that I might be in way over my head, but I embraced it and I just changed my philosophy. I changed my expectations on what it meant to be here, what, what it was going to be for me here. Uh, and I just stayed. I'm still here almost 20 years later. And uh, I don't know if I plan on leaving, to be honest. I thought about it even during the pandemic, during, during the worst days of the pandemic. I can't envision myself living anywhere else, uh, doing anything else uh, as hard as it is here. Uh, New York City is my adopted city, as much as some of the the natives don't want me here. I'm here and um, living the best art life I can. And uh, I think next time I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to talk about client work, if that's okay with some of you, because I I am I was approached two days ago by one of my neighbors about how I get leads. So on the next installment of this, I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about how to negotiate, how I negotiate payment, and how I decide whether or not to turn down uh, paid gigs. So I hope some of this was useful and that you've gotten to know me a little bit. Um, I don't know when the next one will be, hopefully soon. And um, 
you know, we'll just feel it out and see, see how, how this one goes first. Uh, at the very least, it'll be every week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way, the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.